Welcome to the Attack Action Podcast, where we talk about friendship, fun times, and most importantly, flesh and blood. Here are your hosts, Taylor and Isaac. Hello, Attactioneers. It's Taylor Morrow, one of the hosts of the Attack Action Podcast. I'm here with my other host, Isaac Jessen. What's up, my guy? Uh, shit. <laughs> well, I dropped the ball on that one, and it's going to roll on over to our other host, Colin. <laughs> What's up, Hello, Colin? and good morning. I am here on the podcast. Yay! The crowd goes wild. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. This is why I ask if we're ready before I hit record, you know? Yeah, I was not, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. It's all good. All right, so welcome to the Attack Action Podcast episode 54, I think. We're going to be talking about our history as a competitive team or competitive players and the evolution of different strategies we've gone through and permutations of the quote-unquote testing team uh, and what we learned and how we've changed it. Um, Because I know a lot of new players who are looking into trying to become more competitive are uh, wondering how people spend their time and the details of that and how they go about breaking the meta. Um, not that we've done any of those things, but this is what we have done. And so maybe it'll inspire you to iterate on what we're doing and uh, level up your game as it were. But first we have a tasty nougat of news to talk about mm. new class coming in dynasty the assassin what do you guys think uh i i really like that the assassin is um the spider or most likely the spider whatever um you know it's not like a you know a, a sleek sexy assassin kind of like the stereotypical um you know i don't know uh D archetype or whatever um, I like that it's kind of like a, like kind of a sneaky, monstrous. Like there's a, there's just a lot of, a, you know, a lot there. It like seems like a dense character. Like um, you instantly wonder how how they got to be in this position. Like why they do it. Uh, you know what the history is. Why they're trying to kill the emperor. Like all these things and. Um, it's just like a lot richer to me than having just like another like you know like a ninja esque assassin character. I like this uh, this kind of dark dark one. I'm into it. <laughs> Give Isaac the grim, dark, unsexy version, and he'll be a happy man. Uh, I think this is super cool. I'm excited. I think you know. People have been talking about a assassin class ever since the uh, appreciation kit book kind of became digitized and people saw like the classes they had laid out in the world of Wraith, um, assassin being one of those. So 
I think this is super cool. I love that the card they released is just the most specific and scary and also not scary card at the same time. It's just like, what if you do this turn one, like, and you just like kill someone who will rock in their crown and is royal. And it's like, that sounds, it sounds terrible, but I feel like it's not going to be easy. Um, but it looks really cool. I was just thinking, Isaac, when you're like, oh, you know, maybe it's the spider or, you know, it seems like it's the spider. It's the dude from Vipox, right? And that has the quote from the spider on it. And I'm looking at this art from the article or the story that they released. And he's got like this, this like hunch on his shoulder, right? Like in both, in both his arts, like there's this big thing that's covered up. And I was like, what if this is like a quato total recall situation (laughs) where the spider is just like an extra head like on his shoulder and he's just like so like the spider's the mastermind and he's just like the assassin who listens to him yeah whispering and when whispering in his ear you know yeah telling him what to do he's like the power behind but no one knows that he's just a dude on this guy's shoulder (laughs) nice that's my theory i'm sticking to it I really, I love the artwork on this card and the flavor of it, I think is awesome. I really don't like the card though, because uh, like, I don't know. It's just like a silver bullet, too specific, too powerful or not. You know, I, I just like hate the the hit effect, but uh, <laughs> that's just me. I think it's, the whole thing is cool. Like it's ballsy to say there's an emperor and then we don't get to play with him and then they kill him before we've played with him, which is pretty sick. Uh, I think that's a cool move. The trailer was really fun with the like music and the, the way they previewed the alternate art promo version of the card. Um, yeah, I think it's cool. I think that hump is maybe the spider's extra legs. That's my guess is that's why he's the spider is because he has multiple arms or legs and they're all humped up back there. But also to your point, Isaac, like, uh, yeah, an alternate win condition is, I don't know, can be pretty weird in games, you know, like, uh, so we'll see how, how that plays out with more of a card pool. But at the same time, we have very little context for what this actually means and how it works. So like we said in our reaction step, uh, that should be coming out shortly after this. Uh, Most of the spoilers are cool, but we need more context for us to develop for sure opinions on stuff. It is you know, important to note that it's not just an alternate win condition. It's all also an alternate lose condition. Cause if yeah. it doesn't hit, you <laughs> lose the game, which I think is pretty crazy. And it's, you know, it's a legendary specialization. So it's just the one of, so like, you know, you, you just gotta be like playing around it or maybe not. I don't know. It It's going to be weird, but I think it's, uh, it's definitely interesting and we'll have to see what other, kind of cards the assassin class gets because if it's you know similar to how like icelander started where she had just very little of her own cards um 
yeah. Assassin's going to have mostly generic cards to be working with. So if there's not anything too crazy or powerful, like, you know, I think the only way you get this off is like with like a double razor maybe or something. I don't know. But yeah. Um, yeah. I had that thought too. Like, you know, how playable is this going to be out of a supplemental set? Will we get a few more assassin cards or will it just be like semi-playable and fun and a blitz hero for now? And then it'll come out in the next set and like really get fleshed out, which I think would be fine, you know, to be honest, like that'd be okay to get a little, little preview. And then I, I just, I mean, I don't think they would do this, but I definitely don't want to see it like come out as a blitz hero with little support and then not appear in the next set that would suck <laughs> yeah totally yeah i also wonder how the assassin is going to feel and play drastically different than the ninja class right that's the fear is that those two kind of not archetypes but words ninja and assassin are sometimes synonymous so the class in the game of flesh and blood is going to have to feel quite a bit different than ninja you know but i can see a bunch of ninja players porting over to assassin i i kind of imagined it would be like more like azalea than ninja maybe you know like more like potent hit effects that you can't or can't always block or like good at getting in there or you know like poison you or handicap you or you know like um stuff like that rather than like go wide lots of slicing and dicing um in a turn um right that could be totally incorrect but that's that's kind of what i pictured to keep it a little bit more unique because azalea is more of an assassin than katsu you know just in terms of like lore and and practice gameplay wise so Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Katsu is more like a monk, like a D&D monk where he just like yeah. punches Flurry the shit blows. out of you. Yeah. Um <clears throat> I do I I think I think you might be right, Isaac. I I would f- it feels like if they do another like combo heavy class where you, you know, you're stringing all these attacks together, that would just feel like another version of ninja and we already have two ninjas um in CC and four in blitz so it would be pretty redundant to do something that felt too close to that but yeah i think you know hit effects and maybe it's like small attacks and like big hit effects so it's like you're trying to sneak in these these hits and if they get in it's like devastating but overall your power level might be a little lower uh to compensate Mm -hmm. for that so um but yeah we'll have to see it's gonna be exciting always excited to see a new class it is it really would be cool. cool if they had something like, you know, like a uh, a poison tipped hilt on the weapon or something. So like if you swing it and it hits them, it does something. But then if they block it, you like parry and poison them or, say, you know, something cool like that. Where yeah. they're, they have to make hard choices about what type of hit effect they're going to get or, you know. Well that is cool i would love to see poison as a mechanic i think it could be though um a setup character so like uh a way to combat like fatigue heroes is that you kind of have this end game or certain thing you're trying to set up as the assassin right so like if you think about 
just thematically how an assassin might work is like they go for a stakeout, they track your movements, they figure out where you're the most vulnerable, and then they strike you there, right? Um, and it's quick, inefficient, and they're in and out. So it might be something like that where you kind of are playing part of the game a certain way and you're trying to maneuver your opponent into this uh, win condition that you know you're going to be able to pull off type of deal. Love it. Love you. Hell yeah. <laughs> you guys are great. <laughs> love you too, Colin. Love love you guys. Love everybody. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, nice. it's a, a beautiful, crisp fall morning for us. Okay, any th- other thoughts about the Assassin class before we get into this? Um, I guess we have some shout-outs here first, but I wanted to make sure everybody got all their assassin bits out i'm sure we'll learn more immediately after releasing this podcast (laughs) (laughs) Uh, totally okay uh does anybody have any shout outs uh before we get into the nitty-gritty i've got one uh i'm gonna take my my rare occurrence on uh the podcast to do a shout out. I'd like to shout out Justin Lawag over at Arcane Games and Events. Um, he uh, is our local uh, event producer. Uh, started up his own company to put on bigger events like our Battle Harden we had down here in uh, Pasadena. And uh, upcoming next year, uh, we have a open series, which is going to be a monthly 1K tournament. Uh, where there'll be kind of like a leaderboard uh, circuit style uh, situation set up where you accumulate points. And then if you have enough points at the end of the year, you'll be invited to like a, a championship kind of competition. And so cool. Yeah, we're hoping to uh, get some support from uh, LS, LSS on that. Um, that's TBD, but we're hoping that just kind of making the effort of putting on a more regular, like bigger competition that's homegrown uh, will garner some attention and also just give people another opportunity to play in uh, competitive events that aren't necessarily tied to trying to go to the, you know, pro tour or, you know, nationals. And it's just about playing and hopefully winning some money. And then I don't know the the talk is that we might rent a place somewhere and just go out for a weekend and everyone just plays a bunch of games and we'll stream them all weekend. And that'll be like cool. the, the tournament series. So, uh, look out for announcements on that, on their, uh, YouTube channel. We'll put a link in the description and, uh, yeah. So shout out to Justin and all his hard work over there. Hell yeah. Um, my shout out for today is I'm shouting out Hamish from the push to point podcast. Uh, he just got a pretty dope rune chant tattoo done the other day. And uh, that's like for sure a tattoo I have thought about getting uh, quite a bit. And somebody did it and it looks dope and I'm jealous. So now the only thing left to do is get frost hex. Now he took the rune chant idea. Can't do it. I got to get frost hex tattooed on me now. So. Thanks for making my decision easier, Hamish. Nice. Um, I wanted to just cir- to circle back to Justin's whole 
endeavor here i think that that's it's like exactly what flesh and blood needs right because la is a kind of a thriving large community down there um but the only real outlet for players who want to you know play in events often is you know to be able to fly to different cities when there's a battle hardened or higher level tournament um pretty often like most weekends or every other weekend or something like that. So if you're unable or unwilling to do that, I think it's awesome to have like a more structured, um, you know, higher level event uh, just available semi-locally. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of communities and a lot of people that could commute um, to these events in the LA area. So I think that's like an awesome service and, um, you know, really valuable to, uh, I don't know, inject the community with a, a lot of opportunity, you know, just to play and enjoy the game. Totally. Hell yeah. All right. Anything else before we move on? On to the main topic. <laughs> so um, we're going to talk about, like Taylor said before, um, our different testing teams and like, but also just kind of like what worked and what didn't in our journey through it, right? So not only like how to break the meta or like things that, you know, um, that worked in that regard, but also just, uh, you know, because we've had a few different iterations of, uh, you know, casual or mid-level testing teams, um, there's, you know, just like, small things that we found worked really well and things that we found that did not work for us. So hopefully, um, regardless of your level of playing or, you know, testing or whatever, you can just like inject some of these lessons to jumpstart you a little bit, um, further in the process. If you're trying to like organize a play group or, you know, a testing team or whatever. And, um, yeah, also that is, Specifically why Colin's here today is he has been a big part of many of these or all of them and, um, you know, has his own insights. I feel like I'm going to be like the persistent downer in this conversation, (laughs) but uh, that's okay. I've talked a lot about how I have struggled with competitive play and the mindset that it requires. but, you know, it's a process and I'm learning and I'm always trying to uh, get better at learning. So, you know, I'm excited to to chat about this with y'all, um, you know. So let's dive in. It's an ever evolving process. And so we kind of have like four for a better lack of a term, eras in which we were, uh, you know, dipping our toes into the competitive scene and that sort of thing. And we'll have many more, you know, iterations as long as we continue to play um, and want to go to events and uh, perform fairly well. So uh, the three of us are like second generation flesh and blood boomers. So we all got into the game like uh middle of uh 2020 so uh for all of us i think right around like 
arcane rising between crucible of war is um pretty much when we started playing so no real in-person playing uh me and isaac were lucky enough that we wrangled in two of our other really good friends to commit to like a friendship pod of uh non non covid havers to be safe and play games in person um and so that's what we did for uh for quite a long time for almost the whole first year that we played so that first era of competitive play quote unquote was us just playing at the kitchen table and uh getting drunk most of the time and having a lot of fun and we you know shortly started the podcast and so then because there were no events we would just come up with like weird uh alternate formats for four people to have tournaments you know like uh we did like king of the hill blitz so you brought a bunch of different blitz decks and see how many games you can win in a row versus your buds or uh everybody brings a deck and we play swiss with a random deck that somebody brought and then they get their deck back and play another round of swiss you know so we did stuff like that to keep ourselves entertained and uh make some content for the podcast. And I don't know how that went over with the uh, (laughs) community. Those were definitely the early days uh, of us figuring out how to podcast. So, uh, but it was a fun time for us. Uh, What are your guys's takes? Well, of, of note in that era. um, Well, first of all, that's my favorite format we've ever done is where we each bring a CC deck and then we put them in a hat and then each randomly pull one out and have to play that night with it. Remember our score. Then the next morning we get our own deck back and then play with that. And whoever wins, I think I won that tournament. Maybe that's why I like it. But uh, if you're looking for fun <laughs> tournaments, that's pretty fun. <laughs> um, but also of note of this era is like we weren't really testing um, per se for anything but we were all specializing still right so we each had two different heroes so while um while we weren't necessarily texting we were getting a lot of reps in against a variety of heroes on our specialty heroes um, which you know definitely paid off uh later on so that, that was one valuable takeaway from it yeah yeah as the only former community member on the podcast right now uh it was definitely entertaining to hear about y'all's uh events and uh i probably speak for anybody else listening at that time pretty envious that you guys could play together in person uh while the rest of us were just like collecting cards and then playing on tts for the most part um it, it was a lot of fun i think that was one of the initial things that i was drawn to in your podcast is just like you were learning the game too so it wasn't like too much uh overhead i think with like session blood i they just would say so many cards and i didn't know what they were yet so it was like very hard to follow sometimes (laughs) um so it was a little bit more beginner friendly and i felt like i was like learning and growing with you guys and definitely wished i was had something where i could like play a bunch of games all night and then into the next morning so uh, lots of fun (laughs) 
I learned a lot from it. And I, I, I agree. I think all those additional formats would be really fun. And, uh, you know, part of some of my issue with like competitive seasons as they've rolled out is that there's so many of them. So there's like, yeah, it seems like there's less time for fun uh, sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yep. that's, uh, <laughs> we can talk about that later. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think also one of our formats was when crucible came out, we were like, Oh fuck this. We can't draft it. We're going to play like sealed or something. And so it was like, you could choose a hero to play and then you could add another class. So you'd mash two classes together, uh, with your like card pool or something like that. Or we also tried to do like, uh, have little starter decks and then infuse them with the crucible cards for different heroes or something like that as well. Um, all of that didn't work that great, but it was a great idea. I still think it was fun, but it was like afterwards we were like, yeah, that didn't really work. <laughs> yeah. Worked well enough. We got to open all our crucible and play with it. So <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, first um, edition but, crucible also. Yeah. Yeah, we were really lucky um, in that time, fortunately. Like, I was working on a farm, so it was, like, not indoors with anybody else anywhere ever, you know? Just grocery yeah. shopping with a mask. So it was, like, definitely in a, a great spot to be able to hang out with you and Mitch and Troy and, you know, play games. Um, I know a lot of a lot of the world and a lot of the country was not in that. Um, yeah in that situation. So I'm looking back, I'm like very grateful for having that, of course, during a very long quarantine. It was totally, I'm like sad that Azalea has never become a meta deck because my (laughs) infinite reps I've had against Azalea as both (laughs) Dorinthia and Viserai uh, have never paid off. (laughs) Well, I guess actually they did one time, uh, when I was playing in the first Vegas calling, my first round opponent was an Azalea. And I was like, sick, I know exactly what you're trying to do here. I know what your cards do. And he was so gracious. He was like trying to read them to me and stuff. I was like, oh no, I know what these do. Uh, no blocks. You're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is a second half to this first era where all of the sudden uh, they were having online webcam skirmishes and just online play to connect people was becoming more of a thing and like sanctioned events and stuff. Um, And there started to be more content creation around it. So then we like dipped our toes into that. And that's where we really got to figure out if we were like any good or knew anything about the game and we got to play more with like Colin and stuff. And it, it really opened up, you know, our world to the rest of the community and, you know, like what a real competitive scene was like. And it was a fucking brutal skirmish webcam season. Cause it was like a billion people would show up and everybody was trying so hard and you're showing up like this is cool isn't it i only have cards for a few heroes i'm just gonna play one of them oh no i died really bad 
damn it. Okay, next round. Oh, you're playing Ira again? Sweet. <laughs> so it, it, it had some challenges for sure. Yeah, yeah, I had Oliver ask me, you don't want to run CNCs in that deck? And I was like, oh, I just don't own CNCs. <laughs> I got a hard lesson of like, oh, right, I need to like get all of the good cards, you know, yeah. <laughs> if I want to play with the rest of the world. Yeah, I think uh, skirmish season was a special time. Uh, I, I attribute it to maybe giving me some false hope and how good of a player I was <laughs> as I won a single skirmish. And then it's been downhill from there. <laughs> but it was great. It was it was fun. It was such a scene. Like it would be like the same like twenty people plus like some yeah. other people at every single event. You'd be like, oh hey, what's up, man? Like there's like all these people that like you just met. And you're just like, oh yeah, hey, you know, it's us again. We're all here to to just jam this out again. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, even though there was a lot of Ira and then a lot of Dorinthia, which I still haven't gotten over from. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's when like a lot of people uh, got, you know, their start like Kugane, who's just like a staple in the community. I remember playing him in a skirmish and this was before he was on his like road to Belgium's first thousand XP, you know, uh, and he's just grinding games and it was just, it was just awesome, you know, and I'm pretty sure I played against Mr. Mr. Chocolate at one point too. And, uh, you know, just all of these people you like kind of know now around, I remember I played a pickup game with Rob, uh, Seigel and he was like on a, like a pummel Katsu list or something like that. Uh, and then I beat him but then he went and just like won some European armory skirmish with that list or something like that, like, you know, an hour later, which was pretty funny. So uh, it was just a wild, weird time, you know, of for me figuring out like, oh, shit, like I'm not great because like I haven't played against a bunch of other people. I don't own all the cards. So. Uh, I have to figure out how to have my like mental game in a place where I will not be so upset after every tournament I play in. <laughs> but I was also in like an upset moment in my life due to, you know, a bunch of different factors. So I think that uh, contributed to it as well. But uh, learned a lot. Indeed. Yeah. So anything else about era uh, number one? Oh, I guess the biggest highlight was, uh, and I've stopped calling us America's podcast, but we challenged Outcast Haven to uh, a competition in the skirmish Colin one, which we barely knew Colin at this time. And uh, I was like, oh, we'll just pick up Colin. This will be fine because we needed three because they had three guys. I think it was. Uh, well, they have three guys, you know, on their podcast and, uh, we were like, okay, whichever team has the better overall record will be then dubbed America's podcast. Um, and Colin won that whole thing and carried our team to victory. So the attack action podcast is still America's podcast and, you know, outcast Haven kind of shoves it under the rug and they don't talk about that too much. 
<laughs> but you know, you mean they don't tell that story over and over? That's yeah. weird. <laughs> <laughs> they should. It's a good story. Uh, that was a great day. That was a great day for me. I had a lot of had a lot of fun that day. Some uh, I feel like got some vindication and uh, defeated some well-known people who always defeated me and everything else I played in. So I went from like playing in the, they started doing like, was it like the gauntlet or something in the main fab discord? Yeah. Yeah. They, I played in that on like Monday and went like, Oh five. And then I played in the skirmish on Saturday and won the whole thing. And I was like, I don't understand, but I'll just, I'll take it. <laughs> That's like, how this game is sometimes. You it know? is. Yeah. It really is. It's crazy that it is. Even, you know, the best players have bad days and mm-hmm. that's that's something I'm trying to get better at dealing with, but it's uh it was a pretty big high. So we'll we'll end that era on that statement. Oh, I do I do remember <laughs> I I first I first became kind of cranky about meta things at that point cuz before then I'd had no exposure to any of that. But then after that, I was like, fuck, Ira's just broken. <laughs> you know, I like I only played Reinar and Azalea and Reinar was not good in Blitz at that time either. So I was like, well, I don't know what to do. This is, <laughs> I think I got 11th in that tournament and was like pretty happy with it. So I was like, I don't know how to do better. This is absurd. <laughs> you know, totally. Yeah, I think. Uh, one of the big takeaways, too, from that season, I know, Colin, you tried to end the whole era with your nice sentence, but classic. No, just my uh, part of it. That's fine. Oh, okay. Sweet. Uh, was that we would be like, oh, yeah, let's get together for a testing day. And we'd get together for just one day and play for like 16, 14, 16 hours straight, basically. And just like try to cram for the exam. And afterwards, we'd be like, shit, that was not enough time. Like, <laughs> I have a headache. I'm like dehydrated from being focused on playing games. We haven't eaten in eight hours. Like this is not very productive and uh, we didn't get enough reps in to freaking learn what we needed to learn. So uh, hopefully this works and then it uh, did not work. So that was one of the big lessons is that we just can't spend the whole day cramming for the exam. Yeah. Should have learned in school. <laughs> in some ways, school sometimes is easier than playing flesh and blood at a high level. In a lot of ways, it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on to the second era here. So second era is uh, Monarch comes out, blows our fucking minds with talents and the announcement of in-person play uh, around North America. So now we actually have something to play for. So it's I forget how many weeks it is between the release and then the start of like uh, Road to Nationals. but uh, we basically got together and decided that we should maybe practice uh, if we're going to like go to these events to try to like, you know, do well 
and that sort of thing. Um, so we we got together, uh, the three of us, with our buddy uh, Thomas. Shout out to Thomas. Miss you, bud. I know you don't listen to the podcast anymore, but great dude. And Mitch. And um, we basically just like set uh, two nights a week to come together and figure out what we were going to play. Uh, like, you know, play this deck into that deck and then like play it uh and then switch uh then you'd get like the matchup you wanted to get and uh just kind of hang out and do it that way and that's like about all the the structure we had uh for that your guys's uh what are you guys's inputs also what am i forgetting uh nothing about the structure i guess um I don't know. I so I had a pretty negative experience with this iteration of our testing. Um just because we like we didn't have enough people. So so this is my memory of what happened, right? Is like I don't know how many what we had five people or something. Two people would cancel or something. One beforehand, one last minute or something. So a lot of times it would just be like three of us would show up on the scheduled night. And then I was just like less interested in like arguing about who goes first or whatever. So then I would like watch, but then people would be like, oh no, let's run it back. I got to get another rep in, you know? So oftentimes um, I didn't feel like I got uh, my share of testing or playing against the meta decks that I would have picked just because we were like, poorly organized at scheduling and didn't have enough players um it definitely was useful to have like a structure uh to play and you know that did help me out when it when it did fire but um it just you know like what we set up didn't happen in practice um just on my end you know so I guess what I learned from that was that we needed uh, more players, um, you know, on the team in order that, you know, everybody could kind of rotate and get their, their playing time in. So that was my takeaway. So this was my, <clears throat> my favorite version of our testing team, I oh, think, nice. because we would just hang out it was a little less it was a little looser uh and i do know that that led to you know some negative uh points where you know there's people weren't there not everyone got to play um but i don't know i look back on this time and i compared to the last couple iterations i i missed this one because it was just like us hanging out and uh playing lots of games together, which was my favorite part. Um, so <clears throat> as far as like how much it helped to prepare for uh, the events, uh, it was kind of a mixed bag for me. I was in a weird spot. I was trying to play Prism, but she seemed to lose pretty hard to Chain because I wasn't playing Fatigue because I don't personally enjoy Fatigue. And honestly, I hadn't even really... Uh, considered it or i mean i was still so early in my you know gaming and you know collectible card games that like fatigue wasn't even something i was 
super aware of. So <clears throat> I just would lose to Taylor all the time on chain and that felt really bad. So I was like, okay, well maybe I'll just play chain. And then, so I try to play chain at the pro quest and do pretty bad. Um, so felt worse about switching to the best deck and then not performing. Uh, and so that led to just being like, well, I'm going to play what I like to play, which is prism. And I had, I had had like a fun idea of like yellow plunder runs and yellow pummels and, uh, and then Matt Rogers like released a video where he was like, yeah, you should run yellow plunder runs in prism. And I was like, dude, I did it. I'm on to something good. So like, I kind of just, uh, I think his deck had a few more blues in it. So it was a little more consistent. So I kind of like, mixed ours up a little bit. I did add one red pummel because that always catches people and that was the most fun to be like, oh, I block perfectly for a yellow pummel. And you're like, cool, it's a red pummel. <laughs> um, so that leading up to to Vegas uh, calling was, was, you know, honestly, it was like the most fun time I've had prepping for um, events. Uh, and this, this might be time and distance from then that makes me kind of look back at it more nostalgically. But it, in my mind that, that was like the last time I had like a lot of fun, like testing, which, you know, testing doesn't need to be fun or, you know, it's not, it's, you know, technically it's not about having fun. It's about just practicing and getting better. So I think there's some like, uh, dissonance between my idea of what I want to be doing and like the goals that I, that I have at the same time, um, which has kind of been led to my experience in like the next couple seasons after that, uh, is kind of like dealing with that, you know, disconnect. Yeah. Nice. Um, I just want to interject really quick because sure. I, I was I did have like a couple negative points about that season with the the testing team structure like did not work for me functionally as a testing team but you're totally right Colin like the fact that we all met up on the same night and all hung out a lot was like very very enjoyable so I yeah 100% agree on that that point it was uh it was great We've we've moved past that to independent scheduling just for people's, you know, Whoa, to spoilers. make it happen. But um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, just as far as enjoyability, if your team can all get together on the same night, it's uh, it's pretty pretty fun. Yeah, uh, my takeaways from it were like I also really enjoyed it, and I I don't think I missed any or very few of the testing nights. I was like. I remember being very like, these are the nights got to be here. Got to get in the reps to, uh, get better. Um, and definitely Colin's point about like the, you know, part of it, I think people, some folks like bailed on, started to bail on it is cause it was like late at night. Like we didn't start until like 8 PM and wouldn't end until like 11 or midnight or, or later sometimes. Um, you know, which is like unsustainable in a regular world, but it was still pandemic world and I was unemployed. So I was like willing to, uh, you know, spend 
that time collectively with everybody, which was really positive, um, you know, and we were still in the period of our, I mean, and we're still like kind of doing that, but uh, at least for me and Isaac, like we still had a limited collection of cards and heroes we were going to play. And so part of that collection, I, you know, had acquired all of the cards to play chain. So it was like pretty uh, nice to play like the most powerful deck was part of, you know, the reason that that was like, you know, probably really fun for me. Um, but for sure, the the best part was like, uh, I, I do much better in a um, more structured environment like that, where it's like weekly and habitual and I can schedule my other parts of my life around that. And, uh, yeah, it was just a lot of, a lot easier and better for me. I think I took one of the bigger leaps as a flesh and blood player, like during that time, just getting to play so many games, like in a row against the same deck and then just getting to like talk about the games and the meta and, uh, just being kind of, uh, really entrenched in that flesh and blood season, that first pro or uh, road to national season leading up to um, the first Vegas calling, you know, uh, and it, and it paid off. Like I accomplished all of the goals I had for myself and that sort of thing. And it was, uh, it worked, it worked really well, but was ultimately unsustainable um, to go through, to like grind like that every year or every competitive season. So we had to like figure out how to make some changes or figure out how to like level up stuff or, or that sort of thing. Yeah, totally. I think, um, one thing to note at this time was there was really no attempt at data collection or Mm, keeping mm -hmm. track of, of win rates or, or things like that. It was still pretty loose, um, which I'm not even entirely sure where I land on like data collection. And we'll talk about that more later when we have different attempts at that. But um, this was, you know, as more of an organized uh, approach, this was, it still lacked a lot of things um, that I think uh, can, can really help. Yeah. Um, but uh overall i think we we all seem to you know get better at the decks we wanted to and i think too one of the things i i've found interesting through all of our attempts is that we play what we want to play yeah we're not all just jumping on the biggest you know the most powerful deck like you happen to be on chain i i tried to jump on chain and i did like playing chain um, but I didn't have the reps you did. So, uh, my matchups were a little unclear. My, my, uh, strategy, um, didn't kind of work out as well. And it definitely, you know, the thing I learned is that you can't just expect to win because you took the best deck. And yeah. as, as much as some of these, uh, this meta and the following metas kind of were frustrating because of the best decks, it, it was like reassuring to learn that it just doesn't, it, it doesn't win you outright. 
anything. Yeah. It might win a couple matches for you uh, because you can high roll, but it, it's not going to win you any events. Just, you know, trying to be, you know, a high rolling person who doesn't actually have the the skill to pilot um, the various matchups and different play styles of players. So it was a, uh, it was a good thing to learn and definitely I didn't set many goals for Vegas, but I wanted to go and have a good time and feel like I played well. And, and I did do that. And I yeah. was, I was very happy. I think I was like in the sixties or seventy place or something out of like a thousand people, which like I felt like really great about, um, didn't make day two but didn't didn't really matter because i i thought i had played well and really only made like a couple mistakes um later in the day that kind of prevented me from going to day two but uh happens so totally yeah that's a uh i think a great summation of that era um so uh we move into our third era so we're in a post monarch tales of aria uh meta and we are trying to you know we had some you know issues with you know the competitive team and stuff so we were trying to like kind of iron out some of those things and try to figure out a way for us to uh you know make a similar leap in our abilities from the last um, competitive season and looking back on it, it's like, so there's this thing. So this is a metaphor here. So there's this thing in, uh, exercise science, uh, called the novice effect. So when an exercise is particularly novel to you, uh, you increase very rapidly in a short amount of time, um, because it's so new. And then as you get more trained, and uh, used to the exercise, your progress becomes uh, much slower and much more incremental. And I think that has um, what really happened. Well, part of what was going on in this uh, third era is that we did try to switch up the quote unquote exercise to get uh, a different training effect, but it was like maybe a little bit too similar. Uh, and I think some other things got in the way. So we added some like heavy hitters, like, you know, we became pretty good friends with Yuki and we're like, Hey, want to be part of our testing team? Here's, here's what we're going to do, you know? And we added, uh, Zane Johnson also from SoCal, um, and, you know, tried to get some like more talent on the team to help us uh, level up. But I think some of our um, ways we ran that team uh, kind of actually hurt us through that time rather than like actually helped us. Um, but it was also like a pretty weird meta <laughs> through through all of that. Like it's. Tales of Aria and Everfest is kind of that, those times, parts of those. So what what are your guys' thoughts about this one? I quite enjoyed this, uh, this period. I don't know if we had one or two more players or if just more people were showing up regularly or what the case was, but um, I got to uh, play you know, more steadily and I guess work on the matchups that I, I needed at a, 
I don't know, maybe a more regular rate or got to like choose which meta decks to play into, um, you know, I guess at a fair, fair pace. So I felt like this, this round was definitely, uh, a more productive practice for me. Um, I was still, you know, having trouble, like, um, we were still doing paper only and not very many players on the team. Um, which I think, as you mentioned, uh, was not really the way to go, but we had some some pushback against that for a while. Um, so, you know, that was a bit tough is like sleeving and unsleeving decks um, all the time and, you know, uh, still having scheduling issues where oftentimes there'd only be three of us there for a night. But overall, this was a much more productive period. And, um, you know, I felt like I got a lot out of it and I learned a lot. And, you know, while you definitely have to have people on the team who are like uh you know you just gel with in terms of like the frequency you want to play and stuff like that um having you know uh yuki and zane on the team and stuff definitely um did infuse uh you know some more high level play and you know working working alongside them on decks and play patterns and stuff uh definitely added a lot of value i thought yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> moving up to six people uh, helped. I think it was six, right? It was yeah. us three, Mitch, Zane, and Yuki. And that that definitely helped make sure there was more consistency in playing. Um, it's interesting to note that along this timeline to, uh, you know, the world was kind of opening back up a bit and yeah. schedules were becoming more locked up with other, uh, you know, responsibilities and things going on. And I think that that can't be ignored because I think that's definitely had a big impact on our availability and ability to, uh, you know, meet up as frequently. Like when, when we had nothing to do and I wasn't going outside, uh, is like it's like my my wife didn't really care if I spent like so many hours on my computer playing a game because we're just like inside together all the time, so it was a little bit easier. And then you know, as I started going to work in the office and other things happening, it just became harder to do. And then the evenings became, uh, you know, having a dedicated evening where I would just be gone for many hours became more difficult on on us personally. Um, but that, that's kind of just like a, a side note, uh, that I thought was interesting overall. I thought this was, uh, this part is where things got a little bit harder for me. Um, you know, we did bring in Yuki and Zane and they are, they're just like really great people. And also some of the best players I've ever played with. Um, and the way they talk and think about the game gave me such, uh, uh, imposter syndrome uh, and gave me a lot of like doubts about my own ability because I did not think about the game in that way and I found it kind of overwhelming um, and that's no fault of theirs like I think they just they've got the head for it and I've I felt kind of like uh, on the outside a bit because I wasn't able to really 
to hang and and maybe it's more of a personal issue um you know than anything else or like an inability to hang it was just kind of like me getting in my own head about it um but it it was like kind of a a clear distinction and like okay well i am not this good you know at this game as these players um and that was a hard thing to do and then when you're practicing with that level you know and and uh, you guys too like i'm not saying like you know you aren't in there because i think uh you both are great players and oh uh, thanks you know but like losing like all the time to everybody playing whatever um got harder and harder uh going into this so and and i think knowing them a little bit less uh i i felt a little bit more awkward about it um you know just because i again these are all my personal issues like i think yeah sure a normal person a well-adjusted adult person can handle like losing things and you know talking about it and learning about it but i i had a real i had real trouble doing that um and i think at this point it was becoming harder for me to uh reconcile the time i was putting in and the uh you know event or like evenings and um hard work and you know i i was equating like results with uh whether or not this was like worth my time um which is like another kind of mental thing uh, i would have to work on and continue to have to work on um but it, it it was it was hard to like be like oh i put in all this time i played with these great players and then just go and do like very poorly at an event that i was like practicing for um mm-hmm. and yeah so <clears throat> it was it was good in that like i really enjoyed uh getting to know uh yuki and zane and um you know but it was also like i mean during this time is like when starvo appeared and like just kind of <laughs> yeah. ruined ruined everybody's time who didn't play starvo um which you know i'm sure i've i've mentioned enough in the past so i won't go and, into that anymore and cheerios briar too yeah you know <clears throat> yeah totally yeah we it was just like okay well aggro decks are now the best and now we have starvo who's somehow like the most aggressive and can still like block out and like it's just like okay well i'm i never gave in i never played starvo i probably should have because it would have probably made my life a little bit easier but uh, again i had learned previously that just switching to the best deck doesn't mean you win and have a good time so i was still trying to uh to play what i wanted to and yeah 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 the uh those are all like uh great uh, anecdotes and um, excellent personal insight and that sort of thing. And it's definitely something to uh, consider, you know, uh, as you're putting in time and in effort and that sort of thing. Um, a bit more details of the structure we went with. So we did a better job of like uh, playing two days a week or something like that. I think we just pretty much have always done like two days a week felt like the right amount 
um, since we, you know, started in Monarch. And then I think as more important events got closer, we would like ramp up to like three days a week, you know, so playing somewhere between six to 10 hours, uh, a week or something like that. Um, and so because we added a bit more talent, we had a bit more commitment from, uh, everybody and we did a better job of like having, uh, weekly nights fire off. Um, but the still some people like coming or not, not being there made it. So because we were kind of trying to had the theory that if we played with the paper decks, that that would be, that's a little bit better practice because it's like a lot closer to how you would actually have to perform. Um, but that became like a little bit less, um, realistic because of the amount of time like that Isaac and Colin mentioned. Um, but the, <laughs> the, <Oops>. <laughs> the, <laughs> the other thing we started to do, uh, and I forget now if I've mentioned this, but yeah, the infusion of talent was huge. That was like really great to, uh, talk more in depthly and figure out how other good players like talk about the game or think about the game, but we started data collecting. So we started like a document that would uh, talk about the, the matchup and who played it. And then both players kind of notes about it in the, after the night's testing was done, you would kind of like go through it and put in some notes and stuff, which was like pretty cool and a good way to like, kind of think about it. Um, but there was kind of like a unstandardized way everybody talked about the game slightly differently. So some people's notes were better than others because um, some were like very personal and uh, were really pertinent to like, <laughs> yeah, like dear diary, you know, <laughs> no more like, uh, you know, they're, they're trying something out and there's like lack of context. Cause it's all in their like head canon. Um, and then because they were in a document that continually grew, it just became too unwieldy to be able to like sift through to look at any data. And we had no like graph or any way to quantify what we were finding. So we were just like collecting data, but had no way to analyze it. And, you know, that was definitely a shortcoming as well. And I definitely have to echo Colin's sentiment of like the world becoming more normalized. So like I finally got a job and, you know, became more busy and, you know, so I just had like less time. And so like spending time on flesh and blood, which is a hobby versus some other things that were a bit more important uh, slowly, like at the end of this era, I was just like, not, not there, non-existent. I committed to a thing that I potentially could not continue through the whole season. Um, that's right. Basketball season fucked it all up. <laughs> yeah. It totally and Taylor did. wasn't around and I was like, man, I miss playing games with Taylor too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. It was really hard. I didn't get to be there and uh, I really wanted to for sure. Uh, 
honestly, I thought COVID was just going to shut down basketball season. And I was like committed to basketball season, but I'm like, there's no, there's no way we make it through the whole season. I'll be back. And then, uh, the whole season happened and then we were really good and we played for a really long time. And so I missed a lot of, uh, the Starvo meta, which was probably fine. I think, uh, on the note of the data collection, uh, I think and we'll talk about this more in our next iteration as well, like the kind of just growing list of of data. Sorry, I'm one of those people who can't decide if it's data or data. Uh, I used to teach a data and art class too, and I would switch it up daily and my students would make fun of me. <laughs> Anyways, <clears throat> uh, the it gets to a point where there's so much and it's very hard to like sift through it. And even in our latest iteration, I find like going back, it becomes irrelevant because things have changed so much since you started yeah. collecting data and yeah. you're like, Oh, well, you know, we're talking about this, this, and this. And it's like, well, that was before Starvo. And so now none of that really matters because everything has to be warped uh, right. to, to meet that reality. And I think uh, the other part of it, and I, I tried to have us do this, but it was, I think is it's a hard thing to do and it really requires buy-in, but it was the idea of having like playing guides for every hero where yeah. we have like a list that we all kind of agree is like close to the best list for this hero. And then like a, basically a matchup guide and a playing guide to be. So if we needed to, you know, be the, uh, what's it called? The, uh, gauntlet kind of deck, for someone else practicing and you were a little less familiar with it, we would have like a concise separate document that was like, this is the list. This is how you should play into this hero. These are, you know, and like, this is your strategy, blah, blah, blah. And I think, I still think something like that would be very good. I think it would be very hard to maintain because again, that information becomes stale pretty quickly. So it would take a pretty active effort. Um, But I, I personally think, that is the most important thing to come out of like testing should be like, this is the sideboard plan. This is the deck, you know, like, and again, we all, even with our new players, everybody played what they wanted to play. You know, Yuki loves uh, Lexi and Prism and they're good decks and she crushes it on them. Uh, And then, you know, it's like we Taylor, Zane and I like Viscerai a lot. So we were playing a lot of Viscerai and, you know, I also like prison, you know, so it was just like, it's always morphed around what we're personally into. And then we all have our own kind of personal styles. So it's like hard to Mm -hmm. negotiate all of that into like a concise thing. And probably, and I've been thinking about this. I I think this is something I just want to do for myself going forward is like taking more uh, specific notes about that and like, collecting it in like a centralized place rather than in like all these other um locations but yeah I, I, it's it's very difficult and i'm very curious what other people do and i think that's one of the reasons we wanted to do this episode was because nobody seems to talk about yeah. how their teams test you know they say oh we meet up every day you know our spreadsheet says this and you're like well, what spreadsheet like yeah your data collection isn't your team. So like, why can't you share that? Like, why, why is this so secret? So I think we're in attempt to, uh, 
kind of break break that taboo. We're talking about it. And I also think uh, you know, we we could even share some like specific things too later if we'd like uh to make some of those available, but I'll bring that up when it's more relevant in our next era. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, yeah. I'm still laughing about the personal personal notes in the, you know like dear, dear diary Zane called me out in our fucking team meeting again he disagreed <laughs> with my medical and it was really embarrassing I really hope I beat him in testing tomorrow <laughs> I, you know? I feel like some of my entries were like I don't even know how to do this I'm bad at this game yeah totally and, and I'm just I don't know. I'm going, I'm going to go. Yeah. <laughs> or like, bitches were like, <laughs> bitches were like, yeah, you know, lunging press, not the medical. And then that would be like it. You know what I mean? Just like something hyper specific and like not helpful for anybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or just like cited out uh, too many of this color, not enough of this color, you know, with no card specifics or something like that. Um, so you well, know, that's that was part of it. What I've noticed, and again, this ties into our, our next era also, because this is pertinent right now in our testing. What I've noticed is like leaving notes, if you want like a story of the game and the play patterns and all of that, it's like too much because then you would just have a novel under your character's um, thread or whatever, right? So what I've been kind of doing is like saying what worked and what didn't, but it is kind of like that where I'm like it is kind of personal and I'm omitting certain things, but honestly, if you want to like talk about or read the entire play pattern or sideboard and matchup guide for my hero, like we have to like meet up and talk about that. Or I did make a whole matchup guide and sideboard guide for Dromai for this, um, this current testing group that you could read as well. But just, I felt like putting in the whole history of every match into the thread was like, that's like too much. It it doesn't help for me to like write the entire matchup guide every time and then talk about the play points and all of that. Like, so it is kind of missing strategy and it is kind of personal, but it's like I don't yeah. know how to do it better. So yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely getting ahead of ourselves slightly. Um, but my final uh, and we'll quickly move into this. My final point I think about before we get into our fourth and uh, final era for this podcast, not for all time, um, is that I think a big flaw that we have had, and or it depends on if you consider it a flaw or something, but it is something to consider, I think, moving forward, is that it has been lovely that we're all playing kind of what we enjoy and like in that sort of thing, but it has, I think, held us back in ways too because there is less collaboration on lists or heroes and that sort of thing. So we're a little bit slower to uh, either react or iterate on ideas and heroes and that sort of thing um and so in you know it, it, that's just something we might want to consider uh moving forward but uh, you know at the same time i do feel some personal pushback from that like uh you know 
now I'm just a slave to the meta or something, you know, and that's stupid. I would rather play the hero I like to play. Maybe, I don't know. You know, there's like definitely a line somewhere to be drawn, but there is something to uh, consider nerding out with your fellow teammates about a certain hero and getting a lot of feedback um, and that sort of thing. So anything you guys want to say about that before we move on to our fourth and final era leading up to Worlds? Uh, Yeah, I guess. I was going to talk about that at the end, but... Um... Yeah, I mean, I have like yet to collaborate on somebody with or collaborate on a hero with somebody, um, which has definitely hurt my even in our like modern testing group with like 10 players. It just happened to be that nobody else like wanted to work on Dromai. So I'm still like not working on that with anybody, which definitely makes you a worse player, you know, like having more brains on something. Um yeah. Like, I guess the closest we ever got was I was I was on Death Dealer Lexi and Yuki had kind of moved off it a bit. But then she, um, you know, had the idea of putting flocks in it. Uh, so then kind of circled back to that. So I got to um, we got to talk with each other about that deck quite a bit. But that's kind of the only taste I've had of like working on a deck um, with somebody before. And I think that that is... Uh, is a huge flaw in our strategy as far as being like a winning or a competitive team. But like you said, I, it's like, I mean, I could just switch to Icelander or, you know, I don't have any old him cards, but you know, um, I could also choose to switch to like develop something, but it's like, I yeah. very much enjoy Dromai whether or not she's good. <laughs> so, and I'm fairly <laughs> yeah. stubborn and enjoy it. So I'm just going to keep trucking ahead on my own path because that satisfies me to walk this, you know, painful path for some reason. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, it's like, I mean, <laughs> on, yeah. on like kind of specific reaction there, like I have been and still am very interested in Dromai and I've, I've played with your list, but I've been so unsuccessful at it that I feel like I literally have nothing to contribute. And, Every time like I've played it, I've just done so bad. And then when I play you on it, you're just so much better at it than me that it's like I literally would love to help you build that out more, but I have like nothing to contribute there, which like, you know, probably is me being hard on myself, but at the same time, like if I can't barely pilot it, like I don't know how to, you know, how to get good at doing that, which has been, you know, a separate journey. Um, but yeah, so I, I think I do agree though, that that is, that is hard, um, to like not do that and not have kind of, uh, I don't know it, I think, and it, it doesn't even need like people to be playing it. I think to be collaborative on it, I feel like, there just needs to be time in which we just talk about it and be like, okay, yeah. well, like, you know, this is, <clears throat> this is what's going on. This is my experience. Like, these are the cards that I'm like thinking about. These are the things I'm struggling with. And, you know, it's one thing to like note that down and like notes about the games that we've played separately. 
Um, but I think talking about it and like looking at like a deck list together and also like the deck lists are kind of, I think that's one thing that we, we kind of fell off on was like making sure that like deck lists were shared and up to date because it's very hard to know what anybody's playing. Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know, you made this great matchup <clears throat> guide and then I had like a deck list link and I was trying to follow it and the matchup guide had cards in it that no longer were in the deck. And it was just like, Oh, okay, well I guess I'll do this. And I don't, totally understand which like not not at all like faulting you for that because like i said it's a keeping a document like that up to date is a lot of extra work um and not necessarily a, you know required of anyone to do but uh yeah i, I i've i've found that hard because i i feel like i can't look at it like you know when yuki and zane and y'all were talking about <clears throat> lexi like I couldn't look at that list and tell you anything, you know, like why this would be good or like what an alternative idea might be. And, you know, hence that like led to my, my own like weird feelings about, <laughs> about that situation. Um, and I think, you know, in, like, in this era, like I did kind of drop off. I was like, look, everyone, I can't keep doing this right now. It's yeah. like having a negative effect on me. And, um, you know, I almost didn't participate in our fourth, you know, version of this because of that. Um, but I ended up doing it anyways. But yeah, it, it's hard. And I think for me personally, like it's hard to, even when it's like we're scheduling our game. Well, I don't want to, anyways, uh, <laughs> it, it's hard just to like maintain like the mindset of, okay, like we're, we're practicing your deck and you know so therefore like i'm playing like this other role and like i'm trying to you know be a good competitor for you so that you can figure out like what you need to in a certain matchup um and like not take it like personally when i feel like i play bad and then lose and then like you know not feeling like i'm able to talk about like what was good it's like you know it's like if you beat the shit out of me it's like okay well i don't know if there's there's not much like i can tell you right now that's like of good use to you because it feels like you just did exactly what you wanted to do and you know to on my end i felt like pretty uh you know ill-equipped in in the matchup and so like what what can i say to you that is like beneficial you know, does that make sense? That's probably, it's all very specific. That to totally makes sense. But. I, so I have this little story about something like this. So, um, I was, I think listening to a climbing podcast back in the day and a known famous climber, Chris Sharma from the Americas, California specifically now lives in Spain. Uh, America's you know, at one time climber. <laughs> was considered, you know, uh, you know, one of the best climbers, if not the best climber in the world at one point. And, um, you know, he's like working on this particular route and, you know, struggling or whatever. And just somebody's like, you know, friend who's not really friends with Chris is like there. And he just starts yelling up to him while he's working the route, like asking him questions about like the different moves he's trying and has he thought about this sort of thing. 
And the person who's telling this story, whose friend is talking to Chris Sharma is like, oh, dude, what the fuck are you doing? He's like the best climber. You're like nobody. He's like, I'm so embarrassed right now. He's just going to tell you to shut the fuck up. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. But instead, he was relieved that he could talk to somebody about something, you know, and that somebody was giving him uh, some sort of input or ideas so that he could uh, then kind of get a different perspective or reinforce his own ideas about what he was doing. And so he actually wound up getting a lot of value out of someone who I think, you know, collectively or socially, you would have been like, shut the fuck up, dude. You don't know what you're talking about. You can't climb this route if you fucking tried for a hundred years, you know, or whatever. So I think, you know, that input is always appreciated. You know what I mean? Like no matter how the game went and, you know, sometimes the game did just go like super poorly and you're like, I don't know, I just got my ass kicked to me. Let's just play this back. And then maybe I'll have like more thoughts after a little bit extra data or something like that. But, um, input is always like, you know, appreciated from any player, uh, whether you, no matter the manner in which you like win, you know what I mean? Um, just because it's like good to talk to somebody about stuff. So just because you lost or, you know, feel inadequate doesn't mean you should not maybe just talk to your opponent about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's a uh, good story. Oh yeah. yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I do think that, um, so if I'm playing gauntlet and playing against my opponent and they beat me, that's like good news for the team, right? Like that's the goal. I mean, I need yeah. to play very competitively to make it hard for them to beat me, but you know, that's the goal we're both here to achieve. Um, and that's kind of like a hard one to swallow after a while. Cause it's like, it's, it's hard to lose like over and over again for a while. Um, you know, like even if you're like okay with it in the moment after a while, it just gets, it gets old, like losing. So, um, so I think that's one thing probably, I don't know, a lot of testing teams might have trouble with is if you like lose four games in a row, it's like the goals for the team were achieved and this is good news, but man, I'm getting pretty tired of sitting here losing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And um, what are you really learning also on the other side too? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in your defense, Colin, just a personal uh, tidbit is that uh, I've been playing Dromai for months and I spent a lot of time at like the bottom tables of like whatever local <laughs> tournament we were at, you know, with like a bad list, not knowing the lines or my strategies. And that deck has a very specific play pattern for each matchup. So it like varies quite a lot and you have to play your particular play pattern pretty precisely depending on the matchup so it's like in that way it's a i I don't know how maybe not a difficult deck to play but a difficult deck to learn or like it needs a lot of reps before you can play it so anyway i'm just saying don't be discouraged by not being able to like pick it up and play it well it's not like uh that you anything about you it's just like you need a lot of reps because it's a very specific 
deck, I guess. Right. And yeah. like I did like a, a whole bunch of losing, <laughs> you know, to even like figure out what play pattern I need to like attempt to win a matchup. So it's like I did the same thing. It was just like, you know, a month or two ago. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I'm not discounting that. I think I lack in the area of uh, being able to take those losses and then be like, oh, well, like, what was my play pattern? What was I doing? Like, you guys will play a game and then be like, oh, yeah, well, I did this. And like, you know, I should have done this. And I'm like, I literally don't feel like I can remember most of the hands <laughs> or like turns in this game that we just played. Um, and so like, I don't know how to like go back and like think critically on on those things. Like sometimes we'd be like, oh, I think there's like one turn, like a couple turns ago, I could have done something differently, but I'm not able to really like uh, look at the whole game. Um, and yeah, so it, it's, <clears throat> it's definitely just like, uh, it, it's a hard deck, um, which like I used to really like the more complicated decks and I find more and more that I'm just like unable to to grok like what it needs to be or like how I need to play. Um, even if like someone like tells me like this is how it should play, like it's just like uh, I don't know. I lately I've I've struggled with that, and I have you know other I have my own conspiracy theories about that. <laughs> but that's yeah. Uh, um, you know, it's it's yeah. I I I just like when I'm losing all the time, I just spiral and like, it doesn't, you know, I'm not able to just like persevere. And so I just find that very, uh, hard to reconcile, um, with like trying to learn and like understanding that, like the challenge of it is good. Um, which is like part of, you know, a lot of the things I've been focusing on the past couple of weeks have really been trying to, figure that mindset out and, and adopt that better because it, if I can't, I think, you know, I, I pretty much fully have to go like only casual play in this game because it's just going to be too hard for me to consistently, uh, you know, feel like I'm not good enough, um, to play at any other level. Totally under, and it's understandable as well. And, you know, the in this is just a this is a wonderful tangent we're kind of on here but staying in the theme of the podcast i'm loving this great content guys uh <laughs> uh and it ties in really well with our uh most previous episode like competitive player mindset so if uh you are you the listener are echoing some of the stuff Colin is feeling like we talk pretty in-depthly about a lot of the stuff in our last episode, me and Isaac. Um, and so maybe that has some extra tools or pointers or, uh, realities that you can, uh, use. Uh, but the, the point I was going to make Colin is that like, I would love to be able to just, you know, give you the life hack to, help you along and just be like, Oh yeah, dude, you just like hang upside down for like five minutes a day and you drink some vinegar and a raw egg and, uh, make sure you burn this incense with a crystal under your pillow 
and uh, you'll be totally healed. You know, like I wish it was that easy, but uh, you know, it's already my morning routine. So <laughs> it's obviously not doing it. You know, but the terrible truth of it all is that you know you're just like many of us are just on a journey to like, you know, learn a new skill. You know what I mean? Like for me, remembering my game, uh, in the plays and the cards, like I can't specifically remember like four cards in my hand, but I can remember, um, with fairly good detail, like specific plays or what turn it was or, you know, et cetera. And, uh, that's just like, for some reason I have trained my brain to do that over the course of my life. You know what I mean? But I don't have the part of my brain where I can easily think about value numerically uh, versus my opponent, like perhaps like a Michael Hamilton or a Tarek Patel or something like that, where they are, they have like uh, assigned numbers to stuff and can easily recall that um, sort of thing. You know, Um, my brain just works differently. And that's, you know, one of the things that is you know true for everybody and is you know you have your own special talent in some certain way you just gotta you know figure out what that is my the way my brain works worked really well for rock climbing uh because you have to like remember a specific sequence of moves and that sort of thing and i could like remember almost all of the moves like really quickly only after like a very few attempts (laughs) and i would talk to isaac about it and be like oh yeah it's just this and he's like huh, I don't know. I just go up there and like do it and hope it <laughs> works out, you know, or, yep. you know, so. Yeah, and I could, still re- I could still remember a lot of the stuff I've done, you know, and could walk up to a certain route that I've done like, you know, less than five times and remember the majority of it. Yeah, I think that's a really good takeaway um, because you are really good at that. And it, um, I've had to make an effort to practice that kind of thing So it's like anybody can do that. You just have to like remember to make the effort, I guess. So, you know, what you call in or me or anybody could do is like, if you notice a play as you're doing it in a game, uh, you could like write a little note about it. And then after that game's over, you could look back and like, I have three notes. Oh yeah, this play and this play, did that work out? what is the other line I could have followed in hindsight now? Do I think that would have gone better? Um, so, you know, you can do it because especially um, shout out to our tempo episode. If you're allowed to shout yourself out, <laughs> um, it is, it is hard to identify. Arsenal pass does it all the time. They're like, their only shout outs are to their YouTube page and their Patreon. So <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, we can. Um, Uh, Oh yeah. It's like hard to remember. Like, especially if you make a decision in like when you're somewhere in, you have like 33 life and your opponent has 35 and you make some like calculation or whatever, it sticks in your mind less well, like, because that, it doesn't feel like that lost you the game because maybe it just lost you four health in a card or something or was inefficient. And then by the time the game's over, you're not looking back at that. But so until you can like, remember which i cannot all the time until you can remember all of you know all of those pivotal moments you know you can just yeah make a little note or record your game and watch it back but you could also just make a little note and then reflect on it that way and then if you do that um 
writing something down makes a memory in a different way for your brain. So just making that note yeah. might make your brain remember it regardless of whether you read the note pack or not. So um, whether or not you can do that, you can like make the effort in the time for the time being. And I think that that will probably make you improve as a player to some degree. There, that's that's my rant. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I also appreciated Taylor's impression of Isaac rock climbing. I, I was like, is Isaac talking now? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty close. Dude. <laughs> totally. I love on-site climbing and just like figuring it out on the fly. And Taylor's like sports science, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. That, it, it's, it wraps, <laughs> it wraps you both up pretty. It, it, yeah. it totally does. It's not right there. It's it, it like, really, yep, really that's does. exactly. That's how yep. you guys are. <laughs> and I'm yeah. just over here being like, I'm so bad at this. I can't <laughs> rock climb anything. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, that's a great place to move on to the fourth era too. Yep. What a third era that was. <laughs> it was. Well, it was long. The, it was we put really the long. Conclusion in the third chapter as well. So you know. Yeah. Well, partial conclusion. It was a yeah. long era though. Like it. Was it really multiple, was. It was it like was two PQ, metas. Yeah, yeah. It was like multiple metas. Like it was an extended one. So that. I think a lot was learned in there. So definitely. Okay. Fourth era final for this podcast, not final for all time. So, um, this, this one is like a little bit harder to talk about, uh, because it's currently still happening. Uh, so we don't have kind of this retrospective of, uh, what we've been doing. Um, and you know, we will talk about it, probably in our post worlds, uh, podcast, Colin, we would love to have you on again for, for that one. So clear your schedule. It's cleared. Right? Okay, good. Listeners <laughs> buckle up. Everything also, on Colin's the calendar on for November, one. throw in the trash. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, so we'll have a better retrospective afterwards with Colin on this one. This is our, our fourth era. So what we tried to do is learn from uh, everything leading up to here, right? And part of this was inspired by uh, Zach Bunn, who was on mm, the Manor podcast or something yeah. like that. And he was kind of very candid with how they decided to uh, formed the wolf pack and, you know, kind of inspired me to kind of reorganize us because after era three, we were kind of like, you know, who know we were all over the place. Like, are we going to continue this? Uh, me and Isaac thought about joining just some other team and not being the organizers, you know, et cetera. Um, so, you know, we were, you, you know, Yuki broke up with us and told us she had to like go do <laughs> some other stuff with some better people and, uh, you know, was understandable in that sort of thing. Uh, but do note that she did not win worlds. I mean, uh, nationals, maybe she'll win worlds, but just, uh, just make a note of that. Everybody shout out to Yuki. Taylor's and then she started her own podcast and got a spoiler. So uh, who knows? Who really won in this scenario? 
Taylor, you know, it's hard. <clears throat> we do not have that sentiment. We just did not play nearly <laughs> enough for an actual pro player. <laughs> you know, it's casual, Kevin. casual, B tier, fucking around horse shit. <laughs> yeah, she's hanging out in the muck with us, uh, B tier players. So, which we were grateful for her presence. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, so what we have come up with from all of these things, plus Zach Bunn, shout out to Zach Bunn, uh, is we got together more people. So this is our biggest team. So we have 10 people involved. Uh, A lot of them are new to the testing team scenario. So this is a first time for a lot of them, not so much new to the game, but new to like this type of structure and, and that sort of thing. Um, but they're all great buds. They're people we enjoy being around and want to spend time with. Uh, so that was like one of the big motivations of if we're going to like have a lot more people, uh, I would rather be have them be people that I really like spending time with uh, rather than just trying to, you know, be the most talented team like you know, the Lakers or the Brooklyn Nets have a bunch of freaking superstars on their teams and they're not doing so great. And you look over at the Portland Trailblazers and they're like 4-0 and and they just got the right dudes, you know, who are playing hard and doing doing great. This is also basketball if you don't, if you don't know that. Um, so that's what we were trying to kind of recreate with ours. So we also made like a whole Discord uh for it and decided on because people are more busy that you would be paired with a particular team member for the week and that's who you tested with and you're kind of required to get two testing sessions somewhere around like uh three hours of testing with that person at minimum and uh your the expectations on the team are that you're supposed to participate, play your games, be good at scheduling, not be flaky, uh, and be a joy to be around basically. And then contribute to, uh, the discord, uh, with your like matchup reviews and the data sheet and that sort of thing. So, um, well, just uh, the, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. I'm okay. talking You're just much. on a long, <laughs> long thing. I yeah, want to interject yeah, talking too much. Um, uh, so your first point, I mean, I think that this was a good idea, right? Like um, that you're pretty adamant about Um, having like our friends on the team has been, you know, a great joy and made the team a lot better. And that's part of the reason, like we talked about, like, well, we could join another team or whatever, but then you're kind of playing with maybe really cool people, right? You like might make some great friends or maybe like kind of weirdos, you know, I don't know, but um, (laughs) it was just like, very appealing to us to be able to because like because we're you know less competitively driven or whatever and in this for fun still it was still very important for us to like play a game with our friends and um i think that that has you know paid off very well structuring this team in that way um yeah you know still trying to get better and still having very structured um you know data-driven you know, uh, scientific approaches, I guess, but having, uh, 
<laughs> Colin's gardener just showed up and is making a ruckus. <laughs> it's like, sh- shit. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, I just wanted to reiterate that that point, like whether or not you choose to take that path, it's like, I think more important than you might think, right? Because you're like, well, it's just a few hours a game a week, but like having a small community and a group of friends playing together um, does hold a lot of value, at least for us. Yeah, it, it, it does indeed. And, uh, yeah, just note that that's like potentially a shortcoming, uh, but is maybe more sustainable in the long run. And that's what we're really going for is, uh, you know, to be able to continue to do this season after season, you know what I mean? And we had a check in the other day and people do feel like they have been getting better in what we have implemented, uh, in this, but, uh, Colin, I'll let you throw in your, your two cents here. Say most people feel like they're getting better. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I before we get too in into the weeds about how this version worked, I wanted to note like a couple yeah. uh, specifics. Um, so, uh, group up to ten people. Now uh, we created a separate Discord server uh, just for this uh, this team. Uh, we created hero channels for every hero in CC. We're mostly focused on CC. There's a very small Blitz channel, mostly because uh, Isaac and Jesse are the only ones who are going to be in Worlds. And Zane. Um, but, yep. And say, oh, yeah, sorry, Zane is in this group. I just didn't get to play him at all because the there's more people than we had uh, weeks to practice on um and there goes the gardeners uh sorry zane didn't mean to see is there's so many people i don't even get to play with all my friends um throughout this experience but uh oh my god these gardeners <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> just revving revving right outside my window i swear they just show up whenever they want anyways um <laughs> moving Moving right along. Uh, so we had hero channels, and the way we decided to record games this time was to create a entry in the channel that was the matchup and the win-loss rate if there was more than one match, and then on that post, making a thread that was your notes for the game. So this was an attempt to, uh, one, I think make... Uh, our games searchable as they weren't really very searchable in the spreadsheet we did this in previously and also just to kind of make it a little bit more concise um, about where people's notes were so it's like you go in there and anything that's a thread was going to be matchup notes um, on a on a certain matchup under a certain hero Uh, so that was like our you know going into this that was like our big innovation i think as far as like data collection um Mm -hmm. from there uh i think a couple weeks in we decided to uh create like a spreadsheet uh that tracked win loss rates um and this i think was pretty cool and i think this is something i would like to make a generic version of and maybe share a copy of if people are interested in just because it took a bit of uh you know google sheets programming to uh, make a 
make a thing where you could track win winner and loser in a matchup and then automatically create a uh, color-coded uh, matrix of win-losses for different um for the different heroes, which I, I think is really cool. It's funny how some of these are just blank. Like there is no games against Dorinthia or as <laughs> Dorinthia. Uh, and Kano and Lexi are also being a bit ignored right now, but that's understandable. Um, but yeah, so this, and then I, I actually even went back to our uh, Discord because it was pretty easy to look at every thread and say, okay, this person won this many games and I entered all like the back catalog of games in it. So like it had, uh, the stuff before we made the, the, the spreadsheet. Um, so yeah, I think those are like our two big steps as far as data collection and then just having more people. And like you said, having the, uh, schedule your own time, I think definitely works better in the given kind of personal life climate um that i'm in and i think a lot of other people are in it's harder to find a time where 10 people to can get together anybody who has a DD group or board game <laughs> night can uh obviously sympathize uh with that trying to get you know more than two adults in one place at one time um is almost impossible so uh yeah so that that, that i just wanted to like lay that out as like this was what we did um, and then from there, I think, you know, the, the results I think was largely good for most people. I, I personally have been struggling. I think uh, you can tell over the, the last couple of eras, it's just been <laughs> going down for Colin over here. But, uh, in the end, I think largely what's happened is just like the amount of time I've been, I have to play and that I play weekly has significantly dropped. And that is not good for a game that requires like a high level of skill um, because skill doesn't just like hang around. And when everything's changing all the time and there's new heroes and new decks, it's very difficult just to kind of like jump in a couple hours a week and feel like you're making much progress because um, I haven't even been able to go to armories very consistently. So like a lot of my playing has mostly been uh, with the testing, um, which again is also hard because then when you are not playing your deck, you're playing something else. And, um, you know, like I said, I'm trying to be a good partner. I want to make sure that I'm not playing like an idiot who like doesn't know how to play the class at all so that you're getting something valuable out of it. Cause you know, we're both putting in, you know, we're all putting in time to do this. So if I'm playing suboptimally on a class that you need practice on, I feel like I've, you know, failed you in that regard. Um, you know, so it trying to do that and then not being able to pick a hero cause I have nothing's really like stood out to me that much, um, with everything, all the, you know, numerous heroes that are available. I'm just kind of like, I don't know. Nothing's got me like super jazz. I mean, I was jazz about Dromai, but it's, it's so hard to play that I'm <laughs> less jazzed on it. Cause when I don't get to play that much, it's uh, difficult to make that, uh, you know, get over that hump. Um, but yeah, I think largely the, the collection of data and <clears throat> kind of communication on it has been really good. The only downside of that for me has been, there's like so much of it 
with 10 people that it takes a significant amount of time to like read people's posts about certain things. And it like, I just haven't, I just haven't had the time. And I, and I feel bad about that. Cause I, again, I'd like to be more collaborative on these things, but I feel like if anything, I'm just jumping on other people's decks and asking them to like, you know, help me learn them. And that's not actually that helpful to anybody else. I mean, it can be helpful to talk about it and explain it to someone, but no way. Uh, Super helpful. So you, I'm going to just cut you off here. Sorry, but fine. you asked for like, uh, some Icelander help, you know? And so, I then started putting together like my sideboards for different matchups so that then you could like have that to go from. And then later today, after this podcast, we're supposed to uh, talk a bit more about lines and and that sort of thing. And I've realized that there are some certain cards that I'm actually not using as much as I thought I was using. And that has been like, really helpful. I'm like, Oh, I have a bit more space in the sideboard than I actually thought I did. So that's cool that I will, you know, I'll get to iterate on the deck here right before worlds because, you know, because of you. So, and I don't know if I would have gotten to that as soon as I did, uh, without your, you know, your inquiry. So actually super, super useful. Awesome. Great. Well, I'm I'm glad I'm I'm happy to be useful. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, and I'm, I'm I don't want to be like too boohoo on me. But I think again, I, I I hit that spot where it was. It's been difficult to to do this, and then feel like I you know just losing a lot, and then you know. I don't know. It, it's also hard because like a lot of, a lot of these guys, I've, I've met some of them. Um, but you know, some of them are, are, are your friends and they're all really like nice people, but I don't know them as well. So there's yeah. still like kind of that getting to know people situation. And I also find that when you do know people, it can be very easy to kind of I don't know I feel like I'm chit-chatting a lot during games and maybe not focusing (laughs) as hard as I should be on certain things because like when you do know people and you like talking to them and playing games it's hard not to just try to like have fun and be like very serious about it which like I'm Mm -hmm. not saying it's right or wrong um but sometimes it's just like well I feel like we're just playing games and I I don't know if like uh, I hope that they're getting something out of it and I, you know, can't always say for myself um, what I'm getting out of it other than just practice. Cause for me, I think a lot of where I benefit from this is just like reps on things. Like I, mm-hmm. I need to play things a lot over and over again so that when I'm looking at my deck and I'm looking at my cards, like I know what's good. And it's hard for me to like synthesize that knowledge, like, uh, into like, you know, just a coherent statement like, oh, well, this is, this is always very good. Or like, you want to do this in this situation. It's just, it's always case by case for me. And it has to be looking at, you know, what's going on. What do I, what am I blocking? What am I being able to do on my turn? And how has this like worked out? 
in the past for me, because a lot of times I want to do something like absolutely stupid. Uh, <laughs> it's usually, it's usually either I want to be way too aggressive when I should be blocking, or I won't get too scared and I'm blocking when I should be aggressive. Um, and I think a lot of that is just uh, un being unfamiliar with with my decks and the heroes because I've kind of been dipping my toes around into different things, just trying to find yeah. something I enjoy playing, really. Well, so. So, I, I mean, I would say, like like you said, if you only play a couple hours a week, you know, and you're on different heroes, it's like, unfortunately, that's just, that's like pretty tough. Like, I always view testing or deck building, um, it's just like you have to have a base of reps before you, you know, are like into the nitty gritty of development, Um so, you know, I, I wouldn't like fault yourself as a player or a person for that. It's just like a numbers game, really, right? Like is why I kind of jumped into one hero a few months ago um, to learn that hero. And I'm not saying like with a lot of play that you can't switch heroes or whatever, but it's just like, you know, um, just at my play level or my brain capacity or whatever, I would not be able to you know, play a couple hours a week and switch decks and be able to like iterate on my play patterns and sideboards and stuff. It's just, you know, I think it's unfortunately that's kind of, um, you know, you get, you get out what you put in and you know, that's okay. But, um, you know, I, I definitely can see it can be pretty frustrating. Um, when life gets in the way, I, I, I have worlds this weekend and I didn't play a single game this week <laughs> because I had to do other stuff. It was like, Oh no. But, um, uh, you brought up another thing that I wanted to tell everybody. We did make a list of ourselves and we like ranked some of the decks we play. So I put down like I'm proficient in, you know, Ranger and brute and Dromai you know, and then I'm like tier two proficient in Kano or whatever, you know, and we all did that. So in the hopes that we could, um, uh, when paired up with somebody, we could, you know, request, you know, a gauntlet hero that they're more proficient in, you know, like, you know, so when you're playing against me, Ranger or Brute, those those top tier gauntlet heroes are the ones that you're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, but anyway, I, that that's I think that that's helped to some degree, also. Yeah, the you know, and part of my idea behind like the heroes with the threads and the searchable, you know, making things more searchable and easier to find, like game data and people's thoughts on it and stuff was so that if a certain person did want to switch to a hero there would be kind of like a history of what certain people have been through to be able to like draw conclusions from and maybe catch you up on what has happened is kind of like part of the basis behind how we uh, structured the discord and and all of that and i do not think it still worked out well for people to to learn from because like people learn in a variety of different ways and stuff and kind of your ability to know what has happened from the beginning of you know eight weeks ago 
till now really depended on how well the notes were taken or if notes were taken. And uh, we did try to improve that, like always including the deck list you were using uh, in the notes so people could like reference it and stuff. But still people's uh, brains work a little bit differently and the notes between each match are um, still not great for a learning tool I find um, because some people are and I'm not sure how to frame this better in the future but some people are making personal notes for themselves to look back Uh, others are you know uh, take less time to make longer notes Um, you know I try to put in points I think other people could learn from Uh, but at the same time, I'm sure I fall short on that sometimes because it feels like the least important part of the whole testing process and data collection, but it's maybe one of the more important things. Um, I mean, I think, you know, that go ahead. Well, I think that like, say I was playing dash, but like old hymns, my backup, right. might be interested in that. If I followed the old hymn threads, and just read them as they came out, which they're like short paragraphs. You could very easily do that. I think that would add to your old hymn knowledge. And um, if you decide to swap over, you would be better for having read all of those. Um, If you are trying to go back and retroactively read them all, yeah, some of them are outdated and they're with different lists, so maybe they have a little bit less value. But um, again, I just like, I don't know what the solution, right? Because again, you can't write the guide for how to play an entire matchup or an entire hero in every thread. Right. So, right. Um, I don't know. Maybe the solution is to have a sideboard guide and a, a play guide for your hero that you keep updated and then also have the threads. But, you know, it's like, I don't think boiling down, like if somebody wants to jump into a hero and then having the benefit of those threads, I don't think you can boil down how to play a hero into these little threat. You know what I mean? I like, I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't know if there is a solution. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, th- I think that's, that is like the next thing to look at is, and, and there might not be a solution, but it's like, what is the, best solution right now and that's why i'm i'm always curious about what other people are doing and i and i've always felt a little bit of hesitation in asking them but i feel like i probably should because like i'm i'm non-threatening i'm not going to be coming for your team's uh you know prestige at these events so just tell me how you do it (laughs) but yeah uh, when we're all on the same team we're here to like share and develop you know we're on the same team yeah and i would love to talk about my deck and all of its strategies and the exciting things that you know just say you know yeah it does seem from how i hear other teams talk about what they do that they they play each other's decks a lot Mm -hmm. you know so that's one thing like i feel like i play everybody else's deck but you know i don't think there's a lot of other you know other people on the team specifically doing that you know if we're doing gauntlet we'll grab 
you know, somebody will grab a winning list from an event and that's a fine strategy. Um, but I, I, I think there's a lot of value in playing each other's decks to be able to, you know, learn about them. And then, you know, if there is something to contribute yeah. there or an idea you had, you have more experience with it rather than just hearing somebody talk about it and then just guessing at some right. things or giving some uh, insight or observations from other games or what other people are doing to try to apply to it. But it it is hard. And I think figuring out how to how to leverage any amount of data collection into being something that's like helpful and usable. And honestly, this is a problem with data in general, like big, big data as like a, a thing on like the internet and with like analytics and companies, like they collect tons of stuff and honestly half time, they don't even know what to do with it or like what it's useful for. And there's people whose whole career is like translating that data into something something useful um so it's not like a a thing that's just like oh we just don't know how to do it it's like it's just a difficult problem right especially when you're taking things that are not quantifiable easily um because we're taking you know the i took out these it's like the deck list is changing week to week your strategy is changing week to week right you're trying different things you're sideboarding different ways like the only way to like really track this i believe would be like if you just completely leverage like Fabrary and Talishar to like always make a new deck list, track exactly what you sideboarded out in every single matchup and then look at those results. And even then, how useful is that going to be at the end of the day and like in two months when something has changed? So, you know, a, a lot of it is, I think, you know, it's that synthesizing of data into knowledge. You know, how do we, how do we take what we've, tried and kept track of and turn that into like this is this is a good idea for this or like this seems like a hard matchup and maybe we don't need to worry you know i just it it's that last step that i think takes i mean takes even more effort than we're already putting in and um if we're not all looking at the same couple decks and i think that is where other teams are kind of doing it differently uh then it's it's just it's on everybody individually to take that step yeah, and like totally. do it so we're we're kind of losing out on the group um ability at that point and uh and I'm not saying that that's right or wrong as I think that's just like a nature of like how we've decided to do it and I'm I'm hesitant to say like we should change that at all just because I, I would like to just play what I want to play, you know, and like everyone else would too. So I, I think some of it too, like your point about like that, we don't play each other's decks and we just play decks that, you know, win stuff. Um, I think is a lack of trust in our own ability to come up with something viable. You know what I mean? Like, why would I play uh, Isaac's list? He hasn't won anything recently. You know, I'm going to play this other list that has won something. But I, in, a, in this part of my bit of imposter syndrome for sh- syndrome 
that uh, I can relate to that you dealt with in the third era uh, definitely started happening uh, then is like not trusting myself to come up with good ideas or have uh, good ideas for play patterns or how matchups go and that sort of thing. Because I feel like I'm at the point in the game where I know enough to know how little I know. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like the classic when you become like a certain level of educated, you're like, ooh, I know enough to know how little I actually know about stuff, but I still know way more than your average person in this subject. Um, but because of that, it gives me a certain level of perspective that makes me like untrustworthy to myself. So that's how I feel a little bit about that. And I will, you know, make a mental note of that and get people to try to play each other's decks to give them ideas because the, that really is, you're right, the the better way to kind of help with iteration and allows us to like um, passively work with each other rather than actively, you know? So that is a good idea, I think. So I would say it's just like a time thing, right? Like, I don't know. I don't, and I don't think any of us have time to like work on our own decks as well as like three other people's decks enough to like give them feedback on them, which is like unfortunate, but you know, like if we played for four hours a day, then we could do that, but we don't. So at least for me and like, like my mental capacity at it, you know, um, I don't have time to like work on two other decks efficiently as well as my own um which is you know just like level of investment for example like icelander is like definitely a part of the meta right and i think most people are grabbing like michael hamilton's list to play with in their like testing games not my list which is a little bit different you know so uh that's kind of like what i mean more so that like if someone happens to be working on a list that is relevant in the meta and not working on like, you know, Bolton or something like that, uh, then it's like maybe beneficial for us to use a team member's list over, you know, something that won or something like that. I think that a mix might be healthy because it's good to have variety. So you're not just like blindsided by a deck list. But I disagree, or at least when I play against a gauntlet, I want to play against something like I'm likely to see. Yeah, totally. Because like, That's a great you point. know, the, the first time I played against the Michael Hamilton list, I was like, uh, I had to change up my play patterns and I almost lost. Actually, I think that's on our YouTube video or on our YouTube page if you want to go watch it. But I definitely had to like adjust to like more poppers, bigger attacks. I can block some of the attacks, like all these different like play patterns were quite you know something to adjust to so uh i think that you definitely need that experience against common decks that you will see out there um and to not be blindsided by some like trickery or a different list i think it definitely there's value in you know playing against both types but uh you know you definitely don't want that kind of like inbreeding tester thing that happens where you just play against each other's lists and then you're like well, Michael Hamilton was on to something. This is fucking good, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but, um, so. Yeah, I think. Oh, go ahead. Uh, just to 
just to react to that quickly, I think if we consider someone else playing our deck as part of the development of our own deck, then yeah. it kind of changes that, you know, it's like, it could, <clears throat> it could be as valuable to you to see how someone else plays your deck as it is to you to practice against, uh, you know, or like in the matchup you're worried about like, Hey, like this is, this is my deck. This is how you should do it. Like, can I see the other side of it? You know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and I know that, that, that cuts into your, your time and practice and maybe it is insightful. Maybe it's not. I think it's harder to yeah, definitively say, yeah. um, but you know, it is to me, I think that's value. I always, you know, that's why I like to play other heroes and stuff is like, I like to see the other side of it. I like to understand what, you know, they're looking at when I'm presenting a certain thing or like, you know, just kind of gaining that familiarity, I think is super, super useful and also interesting um, to learn. But like you said, I think it, it's a matter of time. We are not a team that is meeting every single day. And I think a lot of the best teams are. Yeah. And, and that, that's fine. I don't have time to do that. I would say I would like to, but you know, I think the best I could get out of that is like maybe sneaking in a game of Talishar in between some other stuff like once a day, but that's, you know, as useful as it can be sometimes, which varies greatly depending on who, who shows up to play you. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is kind of, we're in this spot where like, we want to get better. We want to play more games, but we're also not like putting our whole lives into this, which, you know, yeah, it's what it takes what to it be is. the world champ for sure. Sacrifice. Well, until Isaac goes in and just wins, <laughs> and yeah. then everyone will be like, damn, we did it wrong the whole time. Droma is the best. Boy, I hope Ooh. so. <laughs> uh, um, I did want to kind of rattle off a couple points about this um, fourth era of testing that yeah. have really worked. Um, from the beginning, um, we were pretty adamant about, uh, because before sometimes players would get paired up and it would be like, oh, you really want this matchup? And I guess I could use that matchup or whatever. So like, um, players testing times were not always like evenly distributed. So, um, I was really adamant from the beginning about being like, okay, when you meet up, this player is on gauntlet and they have to play whatever deck you request, you know, and then you're on, you, you get your, so that way you get your reps in and then you swap. Right. And if there's some overlap and you both get value out of some of those reps, that's even better. But you know, in the, you don't want like being agreeable to like, you know, cut into your time or, right. you know, to like hamper like, because then you're like, uh, well, I got a bunch of these reps in it. And then all of a sudden the tournament's coming up and you're like, shit, I didn't get to test any of this because I was just like trying to make it work or whatever. So for me personally, that's, um, been a great benefit. Also having, um, so many players has made it so like, you know, maybe one or two players like can't make it that week or whatever but um everybody's been able to get their reps in every week you know even when life stuff comes up so yeah. that's been uh 
you know, much more productive. Uh, so also final positive note, um, our testing team has coincided with the like advent of Talishar. So I think it's worked really well in that you can kind of get your like mindless reps in, you know, learn your deck line, stuff like that um, from Talishar if you have the time or the desire for more reps. And then when you meet up with your testing team, uh, you get to get the reps you want against a skilled pilot. So I think yeah. that the having both of those available has really made this like um, testing period very productive. I do miss the everybody meeting on the same night and kind of yeah. collaborating more. I like really miss that. That's kind of the most fun part of um, being on a testing team, but it's just like not feasible realistically. So now we have yeah. a functional testing team, whereas before we didn't as much. And as much as, you know, I wish it were differently, at least we're, you know, very functional now. So that's, yeah. I guess, the trade off there. Yeah. And I think we can iterate on that. Like we've had two team, you know, quote unquote team meetings through this time. And those have been helpful to just kind of touch base and see everybody's face and, and talk about some stuff, uh, at least for me in some way. Um, and then the other day after our team meeting, everybody was like, share your screen. Let's talk about your sideboard and stuff and like give you some ideas. And I didn't really have time to like sit there and go through it all with the homies who wanted to, who did, did have time, but there was a little bit there and that was useful. So maybe we can try to implement that in the future. The other thing I think that has been really positive, um, and that was a mistake in the third era was third era went on for in perpetuity, basically, you know, and for this one, it was like, okay, we're going to start on this date. We have eight weeks until this event. And we're going to do it for this amount of time, right? And then so after the World's Weekend, um, we're not going to disband so much, but it will be an off season for us. And that is also helpful, like not having to think like, oh, God, I have to keep this up for who knows how long that there was like a clear end date um, for you to commit to. Uh, or a start and end date for you to commit to. And that was uh, helpful, I think, for me personally in my life. And Colin has been nodding along, so I think it was also for him as well. Yeah. I, uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to add. I think <clears throat> the... I don't, I don't need to say how many other times. <laughs> Again that, you know, the competitive stuff has been hard for me, but I, I did get to a point again where it was like, is this how I want to be playing? Like if I have a very limited amount of time to play when I play, do I want it to be like a focus testing thing? Um, and I don't know. I'm undecided on that. Uh, which is no one's surprised about me being undecided on something. <laughs> Well, that's a really but, good question to ask yourself, though, because, yeah, if you love this game and can play two hours a week, like, how do you want to enjoy it? You know what I mean? Like, is it playing gauntlet for somebody and getting beat in their good matchup? Or do you want to, like, you know, play a board game with a friend instead? So I think I think that is a really important thing to continue to ask yourself. Yeah. Yeah. 
and, and I and I have been making that balance in in my own life. I I I have been playing more board games with friends. I've been skipping Armory like twice a month to play board games with my coworkers, which has been really fun. And nice. I think just getting that other kind of you know parts of things that I like uh, like to do and other hobbies I have um, time has been really good. Um, and then, but again, part of it is also just like me struggling with my fixed mindset of like, if I lose, I'm bad and not very smart and shouldn't be doing this versus like, you know, this was challenging and I should be learning from this. And like, what can I learn from this? And that's, that's going to be something I'm dealing with for a while now that I'm able to, uh, recognize that as, as what's happening. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to, to apply that to this and other parts of my life and hopefully, you know, be able to just deal with those things in a, in a way that is, uh, you know, sustainable. Um, but you know, I, I also going into worlds, like my number one and only goal is to like go and have fun. Yeah. Uh, so whatever that is, you know, <clears throat> whatever my results are, I, I hope to divorce completely <laughs> from that experience and whether or not I enjoyed going and being with you guys and seeing all this stuff and cheering on people I know. And that that's that's what I'm hoping for. And I think that's a goal that I can achieve Hell yeah. no matter what happens. Um, but, you know, if I go like, oh, 12 on the weekend, We'll be testing that theory out pretty difficultly, um, but you know, I'll be with some good. I'll be in good company, um, and that that does a lot. So, hell yeah, it totally does. That's a great note to end on. Um, let's hop over to our singular signature segment. Just make a note that we're going to put a pause on pick pass prey, uh, probably till the end of the year. Uh, it's just gotten a little stale and, uh, we're going to revisit, uh, I think I combined revise and, uh, visit that segment, uh, after, uh, the new year in 2023. And so hopefully it'll feel a bit more fresh then, and, uh, we'll figure out how to keep it fresh even without, uh, draftable sets happening. Yep. Q Isaac. <laughs> so here at the Attack Action Podcast, we like to play many different board games, not just card games, not just flesh and blood. So every once in a while, we like to share one of those board games with you in hopes that you will enjoy it at home. And uh, this week's board game, or this episode's board game, this bi-monthly <laughs> board game <laughs> is Colin's board game. And also, revisit is totally a word. You did great. Oh, sweet. All right, over oh. to Colin. You did great. So just as a side note, one day this will just be my segment entirely, and then it'll spawn, spin off into a whole other uh, <laughs> podcast where I just talk about board games. But, you know, if you like that idea, let somebody know. <laughs> right. Colin, we're going to talk about this more later. I'm into this idea. Yeah, uh, I I love board games. I this 
board games is what brought me to flesh and blood. And so it's still something I, I love to do. And like I just said, I've been making more time to do. And one of the games I've been able to play recently uh, on the much lighter side than my previous board games from the closet uh, is Cockroach Poker. This is a uh, card game. It's a bluffing game. It's super simple and it's pretty funny uh, to play with the, the right group of people. If if you and your friends do not like bluffing games, this is not a game for you. Uh, but if you do like to sit there and just lie to each other <laughs> or tell the truth in a way that makes it look like you're lying, this is a really great game. Uh, <clears throat> basically, 64 cards. There are eight different critters. Uh, there's bats, cockroaches, toads, ins- uh, flies, rats spiders, stink bug, and a scorpion, I think, is all of them. Um, and the object of the game is super simple. You have you deal out all the cards, you take a card, you slide it face down to somebody, and you say, this is a stink bug. And then they have to decide if they want to accept that card and then guess whether you're lying or not or pass. And when they pass, they can look at the card, and then they slide it to somebody else, and then they say, this is a stink bug or they can say this is like a scorpion and then it keeps going around the circle. So like you can lie on someone's lie or you can tell the truth on someone's lie. And it's just very funny because you once uh, the, the end game is when you have, when you accept the card and you guess whether they're lying or not, if you're correct, uh, <clears throat> the card goes face up in front of the person who handed it to you. And then when you have four of the same kind of cards in front of you, you lose and everybody else wins. <laughs> so it's a, it's an all or nothing game. Um, so once people start having cards in front of them, people start being real mean and just like <laughs> sliding card. And it's like, you learn quickly too, that you don't want to just slide that card to the person who has that, you know, the collection started of that, that insect or critter. Uh, you want to send it to like some other people and then it makes its way to that. Like once they pass and they look at it, they're like, oh yeah, we're going to send this over to Colin who's got three cockroaches and make him guess if it's a cockroach or not. Um, So it's, it's a lot of fun. And then it's, it's very, it's very silly. And I, I've just enjoyed playing this with uh, several different groups of people recently. So check out cockroach poker from uh, what is it? Dry Magier Games, made by Jacques Zimet, uh, recommended by Shut Up and Sit Down, as usually most of the games I get are recommended to me from them. And then uh, they also make some other games that sound really great. Like there's one called Cheating Moth, where I think one of the rules is if you can just cheat and get away with it, that's fine. <laughs> I was like, that, that sounds great. I really want to play that game too. So awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm, I might be bringing this up to a. Uh, to world so we we can play this as well sounds great i'm into this game awesome yeah great game colin thank you um, thank you <laughs> thank no you. problem <laughs> thank you <laughs> hey, hey thank, thank you you're great thank you to all the listeners we really appreciate your support uh thanks for going through this episode i hope you all find it uh useful and if you do Uh, We would love to hear from you. Get at us on Twitter or leave a comment on the YouTube video or send us an email. The ways to get in touch with us are always in the show notes. 
The ways you can support us for sure are karate chopping, like buttons and flying kicking, subscribe buttons and uh, sharing it about and just putting a lot of salt in the wound. That is the algorithm uh, that we live in. So that's super great. Join the Patreon. Uh, Shout out to Try Guy, OG fan of the show from the very first few episodes we put out uh, has now joined the fold in the discord and uh, is supporting us monetarily. And we really appreciate that. And it's like a great community to be a part of. uh, And we appreciate everyone there. So shout out to Giles name too, or other newest patron. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Shout out to that homie. Shout out to all the homies. Yeah. You guys got anything else before we say goodbye for this episode? Hey, thank you. <laughs> thank you. No, thank and you. Good, and goodbye. <laughs> goodbye now. Thanks, Colin. Bye. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thank you for listening. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at the Attack Action Podcast. On Twitter, we are at Battle Bro Taylor and at Battle Bro Isaac. Shoot us an email the attack action podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support us, like and subscribe, shop for singles using our affiliate link, or support our Patreon for as little as $4 per month.